Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Story time. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. About 15 years ago, a friend and I were sitting around at his house when his sister came barging in around 3 a.m., real drunk and scared shitless. She said she was coming home and got lost in the woods near his house. She was just walking, trying to find her way out when she came across a bonfire and a bunch of devil worshippers, as she described the people with hoods on. 
They had some small animals they had bled out and were sacrificing on some altar-like thing. She said she got close, then thought they heard her and just bolted, running about two miles in the dark woods until she found the road and then the houses. So, being studs, we decided to wait until daylight. Then we went looking where she had said she was. After a few miles, I could smell something burnt in the air, and we came onto a clearing. I'll be damned, but there was a 5-8 foot pentagram drawn in the ground, and it looked like they spray painted it black. At the center was some cinder blocks arranged almost like a baby's manger, and a bunch of black ashes and what looked like some kind of bones, but it almost looked terry or oily in the middle. I could see lots of different footprints in the dirt, and there also was what looked like feathers or fur all around the cinder block middle part that had all the ashes. Being the tough, fearless studs we were, we looked at the scene, and I thought I heard a branch snap. So, we just ran all the way back to Kevin's house, and I know Usain Bolt would have been proud of the speed we ran all three miles back without once even looking back over our shoulder. We had a place in Pittsburgh. Called Dixmont. We went there one day, during fall season, climbed up the massive hill to sneak in. After purchasing batteries and flashlights at Giant Eagle immediately beforehand. It was a gorgeous sunny, unusually warm fall day. We went all through the place. I won't even go into detail about some of the less scary things we saw but even those were nothing compared to what happened before we bugged out right quick. We went to the depths, the tunnels. There was a centralized landing spot and then several dark cave-like tunnels shooting off the landing zone. Each one has the universal symbol for nuclear waste on one of its entrance walls. As we were going deeper, in one fail swoop, every single flashlight we were holding, group of seven, went dark. New flashlights, new batteries. None of us stood still when it happened. We turned and booked out and up the stairs without as much as a peep. Sheer terror, so bad that we could not speak to even scream. When we got outside, the entire surrounding land was covered in a thick blanket of snow and it was snowing the big, chunky flakes. Big time. Like almost a white out. But when we went in, it was sunny and so warm. At the time, it felt as if we had lapsed in time and came out on a different day. The entire experience seems like a dream. Recently when visiting my friend who was there that day, I asked her if she remembered or if I was crazy. She confirmed. I was driving back from the coast one night when I ended up hitting this weird looking, what I can only call, an animal, totaling my car in the process. This happened to me on the east coast when I was driving back from the beach. I was driving through a heavily forested area on the way back to town. It was dark, and since there's thick forest on both sides of the road, it didn't allow for a lot of moonlight. There was a bend in the road, and I remember, as I was approaching it, this weird creature stepped out of the woods and ran right in front of my car. I hit this thing head on, and it damaged the F out of my engine. It was all a blur. Looking back, I remember it running out in front of me and hitting it, but after I hit it, I don't know what happened to it. I screamed when I hit it because I tried to swerve, but unfortunately, I was unable to miss this thing. It looked pale, had a snout, 
and I couldn't really see any fur. Then again, I only looked at it for a second before it hit my car. The entire front of my car looked like it had been hit by a moose. I didn't even know what to do or how to process what had happened. Just make sure you're careful at night when driving, and if you see something come out onto the road, use the e-brake as best as you can. A friend of mine, with whom I was friends back home in Washington State, told me about two encounters he had. He was a truck driver and drove across the US everyone who has seen semis knows how tall the hood is from the ground up. Well, one night in the rain somewhere in the Midwest, while driving at the normal speed limit of 60 miles per hour, he saw something bipedal and canine looking running out from a patch of woods he was passing by. He didn't have much time to react to hit his brakes in time, the head of the creature stood over the top of his hood on his truck. He hit it, ran it over, and watched it get spit out behind his truck on the back driver's side. After making his delivery and heading back on the two-lane highway, he looked at where he knew he had hit the canine-looking creature. He slowed down since it was late at night and there wasn't a lot of traffic. There was some blood on the road but not a lot. He pulled off the side of the road, got out of his truck with his rifle as a safety precaution, and crossed the road. There was a small ditch off the road. He had grabbed a flashlight to make sure that if whatever he had hit was not suffering or it was gone. Well, there wasn't anything in the ditch, and he shone his light to the embankment above the ditch towards the woods and didn't see anything out of the ordinary there. As he was scanning the woods with his light, he got a feeling of being watched, and every hair on his body was standing on end. He immediately went back across the road to his truck, got in, and left. When he made it back to his main location for getting orders, he had a dent on his hood and fur in his grill. He had it tested because he was curious about what it was, and it did come back as canine. Was just on a walk with a friend at a local park. There are several bodies of water in a small creek that passes through one of the dirt trails that overlooks one of the medium-sized pools has been pretty dense with foliage until recently. Lack of precipitation and onset of fall I presume, with quite a steep slope down to the water. Anyhow we glance off the trail towards the pool and see a wheelchair pushed up against a tree above the water. The foliage is all flat headed towards the water as well. We called out and looked around quite a bit but didn't find anyone. Law enforcement was notified. Hopefully it was just some kids messing with a wheelchair and left it there. This was about 23 years ago and I had no clue what a dogman was and I didn't believe in anything supernatural back then. I was hunting wild hogs in one of the southernmost areas of the Great Dismal Swamp. This is far south of the wildlife refuge where it ends at the Albemarle Sound in eastern North Carolina. I had put my boat in the water at a friend's house about a half hour by water from where I went into the swamp at. This was in late November so it was pretty cold and really overcast and it gets dark around 5 or so. It was about noon when when I tied up and got out of the boat. First hour or so was pretty uneventful. 
I was working my way inland some of this part of the swamp can be walked through when the tide is low and it's just marshy with deeper canals and bogs scattered about but there aren't any trails or marked paths or anything so you real have to pay attention where you're going and definitely need a compass since you can't see the sun. It's pretty dark and they're even on bright and sunny days. I was back in there about two hours and looking for sign of hogs. I could tell some had been back there at some point but it had been a while. I got a little further in and started smelling what I had thought was a boar. It's rutting season and male wild hogs have a very distinct smell. It's musky and kinda fermented smell mixed with old poop and urine. Kinda hard to explain if you've never smelled it before. However, this was different. It was musky but more like an outside dog that's soaking wet. I stopped to look and listen and after 10 or so minutes I started hearing a snuffling, breathing that came and went. After a bit I started to hear some growling. I started to get a little freaked out because it didn't sound like a hog and it sounded big. I stopped again and knelt down and waited and looked around. Where I was at the brush was pretty thick so I really couldn't see more than 20 or so feet in any direction. That's when I started seeing movement. It definitely wasn't moving like a hog. It was kinda low walking crouched down but not on all fours and I was only getting glimpses of it and it would stop. It was probably about 40 feet away. This is when I actually start getting scared. I was born in northeastern Kentucky and spent most of my free time as a kid in the woods, camping, riding dirt bikes and have always been comfortable even in the deep woods so when I moved to NC I fell in love with the swamp. This is the first time I think I had ever felt real and actual fear. I had Mossberg 590 shotgun but no extra shells and no pistol. The 590 also has a bayonet lug so I took out the bayonet end and put it on. I started backing up, not taking my eyes off where I had last seen whatever it was. A few minutes later I hear it again a little further over to my left. I'm probably about three quarter of a mile into the swamp wick doesn't seem very far but the terrain doesn't make for really quick movement. This goes on for about another 20 minutes while backtracking out as fast as I can and I'm still hearing it and catching glimpses of movement and the smell is getting stronger. After a bit I realize that this thing has gotten between me and the way I came in from my boat and I'm starting to panic. I try to start getting further away from it and headed in the right direction and then I see it again and it's standing up and it's pretty damn tall. It was still back in the brush so I couldn't really make out any details as it's dark as hell back there. I wanted to cry and run but I knew that was a bad it didn't seem like it wanted to get in the water so started wading through the canal headed back towards my boat. I started to put some distance between it and myself so I got back on hard ground to move a little faster but I can still hear it snuffling and growling and moving through the brush but it's not close anymore. I made it back to my boat and I'm soaking wet and freezing but I thank god I made it out of there and just in time as it's getting foggy and starting to drizzle. I had never been that scared in my life. I made it back to my buddy's house nad tell him what happened and and I can tell he knows something when I tell him where I went. He brings me in and gives me some hot coffee with a big slug of bourbon in it. When I calm down he takes me to the other house out back of his property to where his granddad lives. I'd met his granddad before but he had always been kinda standoffish to me. I found out later he just had real bad PTSD from Korea and he. 
My buddy and his family had lived in that area since after the Civil War. I think his granddad's great-granddad had been a slave around there but that's a story for another day. I guess what mean to say is his family had history in that area and knew the place a lot better than me. After I told his granddad what happened he stood up, looked me in the eye and said don't go back in there. You're lucky you made it out. That's where the big dogs live. I left and went home and slept for about 18 hours. I tried to forget about that experience and started to believe I was just seeing shit and freaked myself out. I eventually forgot all about it until a few years ago when a Dogman Encounters video came up in my YouTube feed. I was curious what the hell a Dogman was so I started listening to it and that whole experience came flooding back to mind. It was very similar to what happened to me. I started looking into it and there have been other sightings and encounters in eastern North Carolina. So that's my story. I'm 44 now and still live in coastal North Carolina but haven't been back anywhere close to that area. I still hunt and love the outdoors and the swamp but don't go too far in anymore. To provide some background information on this true story, I am European. I previously shared a story about an experience in Tuscany, Italy. As for the events in this story, it took place in the USA, specifically in upstate NY, in late September 2023. I moved to the USA for law school, along with my friends from Spain, and we decided to explore the nature of this beautiful continent, embarking on a road trip to Canada, driving around Lake Ontario, and then returning to New York City through upstate New York. On our last night, we rented an off-grid cabin in a remote area in the woods. My friend Lisa and I, both with survival experience in the wild, decided to spend the night in this cabin, which lacked running water and electricity. The journey to the cabin was challenging, involving muddy trails in the rain, and we even encountered a mysterious campfire in the pitch-black forest. After some confusion and a few wrong turns, we finally reached the cabin, an ancient structure with rustic amenities like a wooden outdoor potty. Upon arrival, it was still raining, and our friends Anna and Charlotte were reluctant to leave the car due to the dark and the lack of lights in the cabin. Lisa and I went inside to assess the situation, using phone flashlights to explore and finding some old flashlights. Despite attempting to start a fire in the wet stove, we managed to get inside, where I began making pasta for everyone. As we settled in, Anna approached me, expressing that she had seen an old cemetery in the forest on the way to the cabin and had spotted a figure walking around. Although initially dismissing it, she swore to the truth, and I assured her we would lock all the doors when going to sleep. After a simple meal and a few beers, the others went to bed early, but I decided to enjoy the outdoors on the cabin's front porch. While sitting with my beer and flashlight, I heard a strange roar, initially thinking it might be a bear. However, the sound was unfamiliar, and when I investigated, I spotted a tall, bipedal figure with brown fur blending into the trees. It seemed aware of our presence and disappeared after a brief eye contact, accompanied by another roar. Feeling scared, I rushed inside, locked all doors, and went to bed, trying to dismiss it as exhaustion playing tricks on my mind. The night passed without further incidents, and the next morning, the forest appeared calm and beautiful. 
We had a pleasant breakfast before heading back to the bustling city. I never shared this story earlier to avoid scaring my friends, but now I feel it's the right place to share my experience. If anyone has rational explanations for what I encountered, I'm open to hearing them. Please excuse any potential grammar or spelling errors, as English is my fourth language. I'm a former Brazilian Marine with eight years of active duty, and I'd like to report a well-known story among the Marines about the disappearance of a sergeant on an island where we usually conduct military training once a year, known as Ilha de Marambaia. The Ilha of Marambaia, Marambaia Island, is an island that, during the time when Brazil was still an empire, served as a refuge for slaves who fled farms and formed communities in the most isolated parts of the island. These people, known as Quilombolas, continue to survive on the island through hunting and fishing. During one of the annual military trainings, a newly graduated sergeant, let's call him Ricardo for simplicity, befriended one of the Quilombolas, a rare occurrence as military personnel are advised to avoid contact due to the perceived hostility of the Quilombolas towards the military. In conversations with the Quilombola, Sergeant Ricardo learned about an ancient story of an old treasure hidden inside a cave in one of the isolated areas of the island. The treasure was said to have been hidden by a group of thieves who shipwrecked on the island many years ago during the time when Brazil was still an empire. Despite warnings that the cave was inhabited by a protective spirit and that those who entered never returned, Sergeant Ricardo, skeptical of spirits, asked the Quilombola to show him the cave's entrance. The Quilombola refused, citing the danger, and Ricardo decided to focus on military training, putting the story aside. Over the years, Ricardo couldn't forget the story of the treasure and envisioned how it could change his life. Dreaming of a better life outside the challenging and low-paying Marine Corps, he decided that, during the next training on Marambaya Island, he would persuade the Quilombola to show him the cave entrance, even offering money if necessary. When the opportunity arose for the next training on the island, Sergeant Ricardo made his move. During a day off from regular training, he sought out the Quilombola and, ensuring secrecy, asked for directions to the cave. He also invited a close friend to join him in the quest for the treasure. His friend, concerned about the danger, declined the invitation, but Ricardo proceeded anyway. He found a Quilombola willing to show him the way, and with his friend's warning echoing in his ears, he entered the cave in search of the life-changing treasure. The next day, Sergeant Ricardo's friend noticed his absence and reported it to the officers. Search teams were deployed, and after about a week, they found the entrance to the cave. Inside, they discovered Sergeant Ricardo's lifeless body, presumably lost or bitten by a snake, common during heavy rain when snakes seek refuge in caves. It is rumored that the Marine Corps compensated Sergeant Ricardo's family and concealed the incident from the public to prevent it from appearing in newspapers. While I cannot confirm if the story is true, it is a commonly shared tale among older Marines. Allegedly, this incident occurred in the early 1990s, making it easier to conceal such stories from the media at that time.
These are the facts regarding a situation that happened on Sunday, June 16, 2022, and the hunt I went on Monday, June 17, 2022. Only two other people know about pale skinny humanoids. I've never really been able to share these experiences because it's very hard to believe but I assure you that they are factual and real. The main part of this account was told to me by my brother-in-law. He is a no-nonsense type of guy so I knew it was true just by the reaction from him and the five kids that were there with him at the time. One of the kids is my nephew and the other four are basically family so you'll understand why I went hunting for this thing that terrorized them that night. First, a description of the location on the night of June 16th. My brother-in-law and nephew along with four other children were fishing at a local location called Young's Check, south of Cod, Nebraska and Dawson County. This is a small gate that controls the flow of water into Johnston's Lake which is about 10 miles to the east. It's not flat like most people see when traveling through the state. The canal is wooded on both sides so there's plenty of natural cover for anything wanting to move without being seen. When I was a kid you could drive right up to the gate, but it's fenced off now. They were night fishing the road that leads to the gate. The canal is extremely steep on each side with only one way in and one way out. When this thing chased them all the way back to their vehicle it was about 2.30 am one of the kids thought they heard something making noise in the water near them, so my brother-in-law shined his light. To their horror they witnessed an almost disfigured pale white creature on all fours drinking out of the canal. It didn't notice them until he shined the light on it. It was so close it had to know they were there. He said it turned to look at him when he shined the light and said it had pointed ears, no hair, and black eyes that didn't reflect the light like any other animal in the wild wood. One of the kids later looked up images of skinwalkers when they returned home and said it looked like the one in all fours with a weird disfigured back. He said that the one they saw was 10 times more muscular than the supposed one online. My brother-in-law turned to the kids and yelled run now. He then turned back and saw that this creature started coming towards him and he just dropped everything and ran. That's right, he left everything. He didn't have time to pack and began running. He only ran about 15 feet and looked back to see this thing eating the chicken liver they abandoned, along with a few other items he had no time to grab. It then began to scale the steep drop-off going up the hill and was matching their pace. As they ran on the road below they reached the gate and he told the kids to keep running all the way to the truck and get in and don't stop. He wanted to make some more distance between this thing and the kids so he stopped and turned to face this thing so the kids would be safe. He said when he turned around it came barreling down the hill, stopped next to the utility pole, and stood up on two legs. The next day he showed me where the top of the head was next to the pole almost as if this thing was trying to show him how big it was. The head alone reached about 8 feet. I'm 5 foot 11 inches and I had to reach on my toes to the metal bracket where he said this thing's head was clearing. It stood there for about 5 seconds to which my brother-in-law must have felt like an eternity. He was only 10 feet from this thing looking at it eye to eye. Then it charged him on two legs and he immediately turned around and sprinted down the road. He said this thing was making grunting noises and its footfall sounded like it had to have weighed 600 pounds or better. 
He said it must have turned and scaled the high wall on the south side of the road because as he was running it was running on top of this small cliff right above him. It went off to the right a bit and out of sight. He and the kids all said that on the small bend before they reached the truck they heard what sounded like babies crying to their right in the trees. They all piled into the truck and by this time two of the kids were crying uncontrollably. He started the truck and when he turned on the lights this thing was right across the road behind a tree staring right at them. They said its face had changed and now it looked like it had rags on its face, but still just pale white with black unreflecting eyes. He showed me where it was standing with its head clearing the top of the tree. They peeled out of there and it didn't follow them any further. When they got home none of the kids could sleep and one of them sat in the corner holding a cross and a penny, just crying. He wanted to sleep in the closet, keeping the cross and penny in his hands. S is he's telling me about this the next day all I could think was anger. I was going to hunt this thing that terrorized my family. So, a very good friend, my brother-in-law, and I, along with one of the kids who, quite honestly has balls of steel, wanted to go with us. We were all fully armed. We packed our gear and headed up to the location. My brother-in-law came out around 10 that night after my friend, the boy, and I went exploring. We arrived about one hour before sundown. We scaled the hills past where they were fishing nearly a mile further east. We found an area where we could get down to the water and something strange happened. When my brother-in-law came out, we headed back to where they had first seen the creature. He was leading us around, showing us everywhere this creature traveled. You could clearly see where something massive had come down the steep embankment. When we got to the fishing spot we found one track where the chicken liver was and found what we thought was a barefoot human looking print 16 plus inches long with three-toed imprints. After about an hour nothing had happened but the boy said that he thought he felt something watching us the entire time. I did not feel this but then again I have absolutely no fear of anything so maybe I didn't pick up on it. I asked the boy if at any point he thought it was trying to attack them and he said no, the feeling he said he had was that it was trying to intimidate and scare the kids. We never encountered the creature again. One time, a few years ago, my cousin and I were out fishing underneath a railroad trestle here in rural southern Indiana. And we were coming off of fishing. It was about 10 at night. We came up to the top of the trestle and a young kid was standing up there wearing a dark colored hoodie. And he had motion for us to come to him. We walked over towards him and he said, can you walk me across the trestle? About that time, he had looked up and he had black eyes and his teeth were like almost came up to a point, which took us both back. And, right then, we said, no. And we both got out of there. But when we were there, there was a guy across the trestle fishing. Now, we got about halfway home which was a couple miles and we heard a helicopter. And what that was a lifeline. The guy that was still up there fishing, he ended up diving off of the trestle, face first. He committed S. This was exactly when we left. This boy had come up and asked us and he was across the trestle fishing. The kid looked very demonic. I mean he had the image of a kid, the body of a kid, but he looked evil. We knew as soon as he put his head up that this was something you did not want to be around. 
Then the guy that was fishing right across from us, it wasn't even 20 minutes, maybe 25, and that's when the helicopter flew over. We didn't find out until the next day that it was that guy who went to the middle of the trestle, dove off head first, and died. Automatically, I told my cousin not to ever walk out to the middle of that, or near, that trestle. I'm just looking for others who have had similar experiences. I live in West Central Pennsylvania, Butler County, on a dirt road in the middle of the woods, so I'm well accustomed to deer and their behavior. At the time of writing this, I've just come in from taking my two dogs out about 30 minutes ago and then taking time to compose myself to write this. As stated earlier, I live in the woods, so there are naturally a lot of predators that I don't want to get my dogs, so I only take them outside to do their business or go for a walk on a leash for safety reasons. The whole time we were outside, the chihuahua was barking, which isn't unusual for him because he's more prone to random outbursts of yapping. The Pomeranian usually only barks when we have guests or when he wants something. He never barks at deer or things outside when I take them out. I thought nothing of it and kept walking them around our yard like I usually do. However, as I was walking past the small patch of barren ground that used to be my dad's garden, I spotted a deer. Again, I thought nothing of it and shouted get out at it so it would go away and stop sending my chihuahua into a barking fit. It didn't budge at all. I got closer, and my Pomeranian started barking. I thought it was a little weird, but maybe he just had some pent-up energy or this specific deer smelled particularly interesting or tasty to him. I thought the dog's barking would run the deer off, but that didn't work either. Again, I didn't think it was anything out of the ordinary, maybe this doe was just really stupid and or deaf. So I shouted again, go on, get. Again, nothing. And that's when I noticed it. Its neck looked kind of weird? I don't know how to describe it. Its neck just looked really muscular and long, disproportionately so to the rest of its body. Now, I'm no stranger to cryptids and whatnot, I'm actually really into this kind of stuff, I just didn't think there was any merit to most of it until now. So, with that little nagging feeling in the back of my head, I become more determined to chase this thing off, be it a cryptid or an exceptionally stupid, stubborn deer. I start stomping my feet, flailing my arms, and screaming and carrying on. Still, the deer had no reaction not even a little step back. It just raised its neck up at me and looked me right in the eyes. I felt a chill go down my spine. I'm sure all of you know that look I'm talking about, the one you always hear about not deer having, that weird, eerie look of intelligence absent from normal deer, and that off-putting, impossible stillness. I stepped closer, and amped up my screams, I was screaming at the top of my lungs at that point, and I was honestly half hoping my mother would come out of the house and ask me what was I doing just so I wouldn't be alone with this thing. It stepped back, but only enough to cover itself in the shadows just outside of the reach of the porch lights, so I couldn't see its head and neck but could still see part of its body in the light. I had the light from my phone's flashlight on the whole time, but the light from the porch lights had been shining enough that there wasn't any glare in the deer's eyes. But when it stepped into the shadows, its eyes reflected yellow. Now, to anyone unfamiliar with deer, 
That might seem perfectly normal, but anyone who knows how animal eyes work would know that's not the color a deer's eyes are supposed to reflect, they normally reflect a whitish color. I'm not actually certain about that fact, so I disregarded it at the moment. I was getting frustrated and desperate to get rid of it at this point, so I pulled up the YouTube app on my phone and searched for predator sounds in the hopes that would finally deter it. Unfortunately for me, my phone ran out of power before I could even hit play on the coyote sounds. The deer stared me down in the awkward silence for a few moments, then stood up on its hind legs and walked off into the woods like a badly coordinated marionette learning to walk in heels for the first time. My dogs both calmed down and after I made sure it was actually gone, I booked it inside. I told my mom immediately, and she just brushed it off. I still don't know what to think of it but I do know I'm not going outside after the sun sets ever again in case that thing comes back. I just can't fully accept that it was a cryptid. Chronic wasting disease is a thing in my area, so maybe that could explain it? Maybe it really was deaf, or partially blind, or something, and that's why it didn't react to me? This happened about 15 years ago in central Arkansas. For those unfamiliar with the general layout, there is little rock, and then a lot of trees surrounding various cities outside of it. My cousin lived in a log house located in one of those areas, aka the middle of the woods. He was around 11 and I was around 13. We were alone at his house and jumping on his trampoline while talking and playing when I had this really weird feeling I was being watched. It wasn't a completely uncommon feeling, but I always stopped what I was doing and looked around when it would happen. The first thing I noticed was my cousin's face. He had stopped jumping and was blankly staring into the woods with his mouth open. I quickly looked in the same direction and saw an outline of something moving slowly through the woods. When I say outline, I mean it literally. It was invisible like a shimmer slowly moving through the trees with a very clear humanoid outline. I slowly nudged him to the edge of the trampoline without taking my eyes off it before we both jumped and took off to the house. We locked every door and window before talking about it. When I asked him what he saw, he said it looked like a person but he could see through them. We called his mom, and she had a police officer show up and scan the surrounding area thinking it was just a hunter in their woods or something. They didn't find anybody and chalked it up to kids getting spooked by a noise in the woods. I still have no idea what that thing was, but we still talk about it after a few drinks. Out in the countryside of Florida, I found some dead rattlesnake skin hanging on top of a barbed fence. I didn't think, and I still don't think, snakes can jump that high. Near the rattlesnake skin there was also this absolute unit of an oak tree, and next to it were what looked like completely rusted out, abandoned trowels, like the trowels cows or pigs eat out of. It was honestly so serene, but so strange. There was also this time I was traveling upstate and out in the middle of nowhere on the road, in the middle of dense woods, there were about 30 no parking signs just sitting there, one after another, in a nice, bent road just right of the road. Oh, and I just remember the time we drove by an old back road and found a tinny little church right next to the road, like. Small small, 
small enough to maybe be a five-year-old's playhouse. This isn't my story but one a friend told me not long ago that I found fascinating, mostly because of the genuine emotion in his telling of it. The fear in his voice and on his face was visceral and contagious as he told the story even though it happened years ago when he was a kid. Anyway, about 15 years back a friend of mine and his group of friends were out having their run of our little rust belt town not far from Madison, Wisconsin, doing all the things kids do before they discover all the other things that take you out of that childhood sense of adventure. In particular, they were out in this part of town we call the Flats, originally zoned industrial but after the big plant closed nature reclaimed the place for the most part, so it was fields and woods once you got past the big dilapidated factory that sits by the tracks. For obvious reasons, the parents around here tell their kids to keep out of the area because it could be dangerous. But the thing that strikes me as odd about this part of town is that there have consistently been rumors that there is industrial waste of some kind buried out there that's toxic, allegedly radioactive, and or related to the Manhattan Project. It's become local folk wisdom that there's something out there you don't want to get into since my dad was a kid in the 50s. My friend and his posse were playing manhunt, which I'm told is basically hide and seek, and so he was going through the woods looking for his friends who were hiding pretty successfully from him. He reaches a break in the trees and steps out into a small meadow, and that's when he sees it. Across the field, about 20 yards away, something was squatting in the tree line, clad in all silver and a bulbous helmet, looking almost like some astronaut from a D-grade sci-fi flick. It saw him in the same instant he saw it, and leapt up in surprise, but there was something off and almost simian about the stance it took when it leapt up. Almost like a chimp in a spacesuit, but taller and closer to a human. Just as quick it raised its arm like it was going to point and somehow fired a tiny metal dart at my friend, which hit him in the hand as he turned to run. He ripped the thing out of his hand while running and screaming for his friends. As he told me this with a shaky voice he showed me the small scar on his hand. I'm a skeptical person, and it's a cheesy story, but this is a guy who is not capable of faking the trembling voice and far away look of someone who is remembering something that terrified them. I insisted we go look around that place after hearing this, but we found nothing strange except a weird looking warehouse type building closer to the freeway than the woods that was relatively new, and empty wilderness. To this day I have no clue what he saw, but I believe he did see something. If anyone knows of any similar encounters, I'm more than interested. About a year ago I moved my family and I to a home way out in the woods in Tennessee. I wanted to be brief here, but I need to get this off my chest, and after looking into this matter a little more I have a lot more details that I think will paint a clear picture in the end so please bear with me. The nights here can be extremely loud. Between the crickets, the tree frogs and the secedes it can almost be deafening. One night not too long after we moved in, I had forgotten something in my car and headed outside to get it. The first thing that struck me as odd was that my dog wouldn't go outside with me. My dog goes everywhere with me, as I am her whole world. But not this night, as I held the door open, she looked out then looked up at me like nope. So, 
I walked out and shut the door behind me. The second thing that caught me off guard was that there was not a peep, it was dead silent. Still shrugged this off and walked down my front steps and headed down to my car. When I had gotten about 10 feet from my car the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, I felt as though something was watching me. I looked around but saw nothing. After I reached in my car for what I had forgotten to grab earlier I had this feeling like something was moving towards me. I took a step back and checked around me. All of a sudden, I heard one of my hedges next to me that lined the walkway to our front door rattle. At first, I thought it was a rabbit that I had spooked, as I had seen one just earlier in the day right where this was. A few seconds later I heard the sound of a large rock, about the size of a cantaloupe, landing a few feet away from me. It hit the walkway and bounced into a shrub. I drew my gun and called out and said whoever that this was, is about to be shot. After a few seconds of nothing I began to think that maybe this was some local teenagers messing with the new people. I holstered my sidearm turned and started walking back to my front door. Almost as soon as I turned. Towards my house, I heard this deep panting sound. It sounded like a huge dog, but what made me nope back to my front door was that it sounded like it was right behind me. I leapt up onto my porch turned and drew my gun again expecting something right there but again there was nothing. A couple weeks later I was on my porch at night, sitting on a bench with my wife. She got up and walked inside to get something and as soon as she shut the door, I heard that panting sound again. I couldn't see anything, yet this sounded like it was right on top of me. The sound was coming from everywhere and it was very loud. Again, I couldn't see anything so I noped it back inside my house. Now at this point I was questioning moving here but after nothing else really happening I let it go. A month or so later it was a really rainy and stormy night. This is around 9pm and my wife and I enjoy listening to the rain and talking about how relaxing the rain is. Me growing up in Oregon loved the rain, and for the past 10 years we lived in Vegas where it would dump the entire year of rain in a day then be bone dry for the rest of the year. For my wife who grew up in Nevada rain was such a rare thing she loved going outside and watching the rain. So, for us this is an enjoyable experience. Except this night in particular things took a weird turn. As we were sitting there talking about the rain and relaxing my wife stops me and said, did you hear that? I said no, what did you hear? She said, I swear it sounded like a small child calling for help out in the woods beside our house, I said, no I didn't hear anything. After a few moments of us listening intently she said, there it is again, I said, I didn't hear a thing sweetie, are you sure you're not just hearing things? She looked at me offended that I didn't hear anything and said, no I am positive, how could you not hear that, it was our son. I think he's out there and got lost, I said no he's in the house sleeping on the couch. We then both looked through the blinds that were open right behind us and we could see all of our children laying there. She said that's so weird, I swear it sounds like our son, I said, well it isn't him he's right there, besides I don't hear anything. She then stands up and says, wow he's really crying out for help, I need to go look for him. Now at this point if you knew my wife you would know she is absolutely creeped out by the woods and wouldn't be caught dead walking into them during daylight, much less at night during a storm. I grabbed her hand and said, 
I have been listening intently and there is absolutely nobody calling out for help. You need to stay here. At this point I am getting worried about her. She was acting completely out of character, not to mention that at this time she is 8 months pregnant with our baby daughter. She then says, what if there is some child out there lost in the woods? I said, well first off I would be able to hear them too. Secondly there are no other kids around here for miles and the odds of them being lost 100 feet from our house that's lit up like a Christmas tree is nil she then says, I know but what if it's a kid? Before I could say anything else she stands up and starts walking toward the stairs. I jumped up and grabbed her hand again and said, no you're not, get in the house. I don't know what's going on but you need to go inside. She then complies and we both go inside. I didn't know what this was but it freaked me out. A few months after this just as it was getting dark outside, I heard the front door to our house open and I got up to investigate. We have autistic 6 year old twins, and we have the door set up so that they can't open it without us there, so to hear this sound it could only be my wife. What was weird was the fact that she usually doesn't go outside without saying something to me. I walked out front and saw my wife walking down our private road towards the drive on the side of our house. I asked her what she is doing, and she says she was sitting on the back patio and kept hearing a baby crying out in the woods. I said, seriously and you just decided to walk off into the woods to investigate? She then looks out into the woods and says, see, there it is again. Again I can't hear anything but what I did notice is that it was completely silent out again. I told her just like before the chances of a baby being out in the woods outside our house is slim and that she needed to get back in the house. She said, what if someone left a baby out there, I said, well if that were true, I would hear it too. Now at this point I was really starting to worry about my wife's mental health. I actually asked her to see a psychiatrist, and she did. Now looking back, I feel really bad about this knowing what I know. A key to this moment was that my wife had just given birth to a baby girl a month before. A few days after this we are out front on the porch, it's early evening and I had just mowed the lawn this day and our three-year-old son was riding around on his little car in front of the house. Now he knows that he is not allowed outside of a certain area that we mapped off. He loves playing outside. But with the road behind 50 feet from our front porch we have to be careful as a lot of boaters will fly through after drinking all day on their boats. As we are talking, we are both keeping an eye on him. A neighbor drives by and stops to say hi for a second. This interaction took approximately 8 seconds as all they said was how are things, we said good, and he told us he would stop by later as his wife got something for the kids, who happens to be one of their teachers in school and we said. Okay great and he drove off. I looked over where our son was and he was gone. I called out his name and ran over to the side of the house and could hear his car on our side drive. I scolded him for leaving the area and he said something in his three-year-old gibberish and pointed to the woods behind our house. I said, he had five seconds to get back up to the front of the house or else and he adamantly pointed back in the direction of the woods and kept trying to tell me something. I looked off in the direction of the woods and just assumed he saw a deer or squirrel or something and wanted to see it up close. I walked him back up to the front of the house and he cried the whole way there. He got really upset that I wouldn't let him go into the woods, 
but I just wrote this off as him being curious and most three-year-old boys are. Now this instance isn't isolated as our twins have done similar things but nothing quite as extreme as this. There have been nights where we had just laid down for the night and heard a loud bang on the side of our house on the wall behind our bed. It was so loud that I jumped up and looked out the window. Our floodlight had come on but I could see nothing. Now the weird part about this is that our bedroom sits about 12 feet from the ground level as we have a full-sized basement that's cinder block. I put on my slippers and grabbed one of my 12-gauge shotguns and walked outside to investigate. It was dead silent again. The floodlight that's on the side of the house had clicked off at this point so I walked over to the end of the deck and shined my light around the yard. There was nothing. I walked around the house and shined the light around intently. As I approached the back side of my house the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. It felt like someone was watching me. I shined the light up in the trees but again nothing. I rounded the corner and the first thing I noticed was that my three dogs that were in their area weren't making a peep. Now our dogs have no filter and will bark at anyone and everyone, this includes me. So to see them all hiding with their tails between theirs legs not making a peep really had me worried. As I kept walking all of a sudden the crickets and frogs started making sounds again, it was as if someone had clicked a switch. I walked back into the house and told my wife that I hadn't seen anything. She shrugged and said okay as long as our dogs were okay. Due to the circumstances that night I decided to let the dogs in and sleep with us. This very same thing has happened on all four exterior walls of our house. It's random and annoying but just like this instance every time there is nothing going on outside. There have also been times where we were sitting in the house and as I was watching a movie my wife walked over to me and said did you call me? I said no and she said she swears she heard me call her name in her ear. She said that it was definitely my voice, but she didn't understand because it sounded so close, and I was a good 20 feet away from her in my recliner. The important part to this was that she was sitting at the table doing something and the slider to the backyard was open behind her. Now our back patio sits about 20 feet off the ground and is like a balcony as it has no stair access outside, I think the previous owner built it for a barbecuing. There have been several instances where she would say she heard someone whisper in her ear, but she couldn't make out the sound. Again, I kept thinking she was going crazy, but as you will see I think all of this is tied into this final moment where things are revealed. The last thing I want to mention before we get into what just happened is that I have a shooting range built behind my workshop on opposite side of our property next to the main road. It is kind of on a down slope, but it works perfectly for what I need it for. The range itself is cut straight into the woods going down about 100 yards or so. When you're at the down range you have woods surrounding you on all sides except back up to my shop. I have to say it has always felt creepy when I am dealing with my targets or mowing. When you are down there, it feels like you're miles from anyone. One day around 5 in the evening I was sighting in a new rifle scope. The sun was still up but was going to start to fade soon. So, I knew this was going to be the final test. Up until this point nothing really happened while I was making my multiple trips down range other than this feeling of uneasiness. As I got down range, I kept getting this feeling like someone or something was watching me. I looked around but didn't see anything. 
As I was placing stickers over my previous shots, I heard something big off to the side of me. It sounded like a large branch had snapped off a tree. Now if you have been in Tennessee woods you will know that a lot of branches fall off of trees randomly out of nowhere, so this is nothing new. Except this time, it was very loud and sounded like fresh strong wood if that makes any sense. I turned and looked but again couldn't see anything. I started walking back up to my rifle and I swear I heard someone right behind me. I turned around but again saw nothing. As I started to walk again, I heard this deep growl. It was really deep and loud and what's worse is that it was all around me. I turned around facing the range and started walking backwards. The thought of some rabid dog charging out of the bushes had me freaked out, so running wasn't a good idea. I slowly walked backwards up the hill to my rifle, but nothing happened. I grabbed my rifle and sprayed. The target with rapid fire hoping to scare off whatever was stalking me. I left 10 rounds in the mag and grabbed my rifle bag and quickly walked back up to the house. I never told my wife about this as I didn't want her to freak out. Fast forward about a year later from when we moved in and my niece is staying with us as a live-in nanny to earn money over summer break from college. We were on our way back from the store and about a mile from our house and I saw two eyes reflecting in the headlights coming from a wide tree on the side of the road just ahead. It had caught my attention because they were higher than a deer but a different color and size. Just as I had said what is that? And squinted they vanished. I had made a comment that it was almost as if it had known I could see its eyes and moved. The color was kind of a golden or green, but they resembled the mannerism of a large cat as they felt ominous. It's hard to explain but I shrugged it off as we were passing the tree and saw nothing. A few moments later we arrived at the house. As we were getting bags out of the car my three-year-old son came bolting out of the house excited to see me. As I was waiting to help her carry in her bags, I heard my dog growl. I looked in the direction she was looking at my neighbor's property across the street. Now what I saw has kept me up all night. Up until this point I have always been skeptical as I had never seen anything with my own two eyes. Even with what had happened to me the year prior, I still had my doubts that it was just my mind playing tricks on me. Now my street is kind of a spread out neighborhood. Each house sits on several acres, and at the end of our road is Kentucky Lake. My neighbor's house sits adjacent to my house on about an acre lot. Directly in front of my house is a wall of woods and directly behind my house is several thousand acres of untouched forest. As I was looking across the street to my neighbor's property, I saw a large dark figure between the trees at first. The movement caught me off guard as it looked like something big moving quickly on all fours. Then when it came out into clear view it stood up and walked like a man. At first, I didn't know what to make of it. It was very tall but what was strange about it was the distance it was covering and the fact that when it was in front of a shed, I swear I could see through it. It was clearly walking quickly but moving faster than any person could at a sprint. More importantly there was no sound. It was like it was phasing in and out of reality as it moved. I said, what the hell is that? and realized that it was looking directly at us. It had moved at an angle away from us to minimize its time out in the open and moving quickly as it could while still being silent. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up as I realized that whatever it was, was stalking us. 
I told my niece to get in the house now. And I grabbed my son and booked it inside. I grabbed my AR-15 with a short scope and came back outside to see my niece still grabbing stuff out of her car. Knowing I told her firmly and clearly to get in the house, her disregard to my command annoyed me, but still I watched over her without saying a word. As she was slowly walking, she turned towards the woods across the street from my house and suddenly bolted for the house. She ran up the steps in a panic state. I asked her what she saw, and her face was pale as a ghost. She said, I heard something big in the woods walking loudly on the leaves and when I turned toward it, I heard a deep guttural growl. I asked her why she didn't come when I told her, and she said she thought that I was talking to my son. I told her what I had seen, and she wanted to get a closer look to see if she could see something. I told her that it was not a good idea, and she went anyway. As she was walking down the walkway, I heard the sound of dry leaves crunching in the woods across the street. I told her to stop and come take the flashlight. Now at this point she is about 6 feet away from my wife's SUV. As she turned and started walking back to me, I caught a glimpse of something grey and hairy. Bolt from behind the SUV back across the street into the woods. My porch is a raised porch, and our SUV is about 6.5 feet tall, and whatever this was it cleared about 45 feet in what looked like a single jump. It moved like lightning. Whatever it was it wanted my niece. It jumped behind the car out of my line of sight and was waiting for her. She still doubted my warnings and grabbed the flashlight and walked back toward the car. As she entered my driveway, she stopped dead and her tracks leaned forward as if she could see something. I asked her what she saw. She turned and ran back up on the porch with a terrified look on her face saying nope, 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 over and over again. She said it was a figure hiding inside of a tree and that she saw its eyes. I asked her what they looked like and all she could say was that they looked dull red at first but as she got closer, they looked dead. I said, what do you mean dead, and she said that where the pupils were looked grey like the way eyes look when they go blind. She said it was really dark grey and she swears she could see through it almost like a dark cloud. She wanted to go out again and took a step down the stairs and as she did it revealed itself from the tree. I said get inside and I went in and locked the door. It looked like a tall human shaped being, it was really tall and looked ominous as hell. The next morning, we did a height comparison to the tree limb she saw it stand over and it put its height to around 9 feet tall and its eyes were about 6 inches apart. At this point I don't know what this thing was. After doing some research I think this thing was a glimmerman or crawler. I looked to see if there had been any other sightings in Benton County but nothing. More importantly I swear it would phase in and out almost like a shadow person but bigger and more obvious. Now I originally posted this on r slash Bigfoot but after doing a bunch of research I believe this belongs here. One of the things that was makes this fit is that it can communicate telepathically. This explains why everyone was hearing something that nobody else could hear. Secondly it has a playback-like communication, so when I heard a dog panting it was probably one of my dogs it had heard, my wife was actually hearing our son crying for help as he had recently fell and cried for help, the baby crying would be our newborn baby who she had given birth to recently, and it must have heard me call my wife's name and kept telepathically calling my wife's name with my voice. 
Another thing that my niece had said that night was that she felt compelled to go back outside to it. She said she felt like this thing was communicating with her somehow and it wanted her to go back outside. The more I read about this thing the more everything that's been happening over this past year makes sense. One thing that I find extra convincing is that down the road towards the lake there is a property that is barbed wired off and is a wall of forest with no driveway. A lot of the property down our road is undeveloped owned land. And on one of the trees there is this large old sign that says Screamer lives here with an arrow pointing back into the woods. Now I have to admit when I first saw this sign, I laughed thinking maybe the owner screamed at trespassers who entered his property and teenagers put up the sign to mess with him. But when I did a satellite search of our neighborhood that entire section of road has no houses or trails or anything and is just pure forest for as far as the eye can see. One of the things that this thing is said to do is make a loud scream when threatened. Now that you understand my story, I doubt this is the ending. The next question is what can we do? I don't want my wife or kids to disappear one day. And if there is more than one of these things out there this really makes the missing 411 make a whole lot of sense. I feel perplexed and scared as what can I do? Any advice? I will try and keep this post alive with any new experiences. This story is probably a little different than what is normally posted here, but it is absolutely true and I have always wanted to share it with a larger audience. In 1999 or 2000 when I was 14, I was with my friend Carl skateboarding in Northport Village, New York. After a couple of hours we decided to go to a deli and grab something to drink. We took our sodas outside and sat down on a bench in front of the deli, where a middle-aged man was also sitting. Carl and I were just making small talk, and I specifically remember I was drinking a grape soda. I was looking at the label and saw a warning that said something along the lines of warning, contents under pressure. Cap may blow off. I had never seen that warning before and I found it amusing. I then mentioned it to Carl, and he also found it peculiar. Then, in an amused tone, the middle-aged man said something like does it really say that? So I showed it to him and we all thought it was interesting, whatever. The man then asked us if he could ask us something, and we said sure. Even though this was a random encounter with a guy who looked like he was in his late 40s or early 50s, he did not give off any creepy vibes. He asked us what religion we were, and where we went to church, if we went. It's not really important to the story but Carl and I are both Catholic and attended Mass pretty regularly at St. Patrick's Church in Huntington, New York. Even though this was a much more intense question, he asked it in the same light-hearted tone he had kept with us during the conversation, when you die and Jesus asks you, why should I let you into my kingdom? What are you going to say? We both basically gave the same answers, saying that we tried to be good people and go to church. For the record, my mother was a pretty strict Catholic at the time, Carl's family was not as religious, but he was still a believer. The man then told us that those were both pretty good answers, but what we have to say is because Jesus died for my sins. We both acknowledged him and said okay. Carl and I exchanged a few more pleasantries with him and started to walk down the street. I swear to you, we could not have taken more than 5 or 10 steps when Carl said watch that dude be gone. 
So we both looked behind us and, sure enough, he was nowhere to be seen. Carl and I went looking for the man for probably the next 10 or 20 minutes. We could not find him anywhere and I can promise you we were thorough. I'm sure it's possible that he just slipped away and got in his car or something in those few seconds we had our backs to him, but to this day I believe he was some sort of messenger. I was washing dishes at around 8 to 9 p.m. in an urban neighborhood in Colorado, with houses all around me and far away from any mountains. Suddenly, I heard a deep, demonic growl, similar to what I've heard before on native land. However, this time it sounded less like a Bigfoot and more like a demonic cat of some sort. It was highly strange because there is only one tree nearby, and the only animals I've seen are bunnies or birds. I think something might have latched on from my last experience on native land and followed me across states to prove a point, don't mess with cryptids and paranormal entities on native land. Has anyone else had any experiences with demonic cat-like entities? I've listened to every cat sound known to man, such as screaming in heat, getting attacked, attacking, etc., and it doesn't come close to the demonic cat I heard that night. Since I was a child, I, 20-year-old female, have noticed this entity following me. Whenever I'm in a moving car, regardless of where I'm sitting, I can observe it moving along the tree lines, keeping pace with my car. Even when I'm walking outside, I can see it in the distance, trailing behind me. To describe this entity, I can only liken it to Slender Man, but much taller, bulkier, with extremely long arms and legs, and notably, it lacks a face. Interestingly, I seem to be the only person who can see it, regardless of who I've asked. It's worth mentioning that when I first started noticing this entity, I wasn't aware of Slender Man or anything similar. Context, I don't have any known disorders that could cause hallucinations like this. The only diagnoses I have received are BPD and depression. This is one of my earliest memories. If I had been alone when it happened, I would not have been confident enough to share it. This occurred when I was a young boy. My older brother was with me. We lived in Mexico City. We were born there. This event happened sometime after the 8.0 magnitude earthquake of 1985. This violent earthquake led to the deaths of over 5,000 people and several billion dollars worth of damage. This earthquake, its intense and wild destruction, is my earliest memory. At the time, we lived in an apartment building several stories up. The structure was just your run-of-the-mill housing unit commonly constructed of concrete, brick, and wood. I recall how, upon entering the unit, the dining area would be immediately to your right, the kitchen to the left. If you headed further inward, there was a terrace where my mom kept her plants, and my dad kept his dog. Beyond this area, the kids' room would be to your left, my parents' room to the right. In between these two rooms was a living room with several windows looking out to the street. Our unit was located at the corner of the building. This happened sometime around noon. My brother and I were playing in the living room with our toy cars on the windowsill. Our mom had just come in from watering her plants and had gone into her room. 
My dad was out. I recall looking out into the street, seeing several cars and people moving about. If I remember correctly, we were trying to recreate, as accurately as possible, the goings-on of the world below with our toys. We were situated near the corner of the window, my brother to my right, closest to the wall, when something strange caught my attention. A set of sturdy, unusually pale hands with long, dirty, claw-like nails were piercing the brick exterior of the building. Then, a circular, flat, soot-covered black object came into view. This object appeared to be swaying from side to side with each climb. The flattened object slowly became elongated, tall, fanning out at the base, a hat. Gradually, and much to my confusion, I began to make out the features of a man, except that it didn't look like any man I had ever seen. Pale-faced, long-haired, with intense, dark eyes, his face is the kind of thing you never forget. I bumped my brother with my elbow, his attention still diverted by the toy cars in his hand, his view partly obstructed by the wall. Mira, look, I remember saying to him. My brother looked up, his toys still in hand, and silence overtook the both of us. Expressionless, his gaze somewhere far away, the man stopped his ascent, then turned and looked directly at us. Still holding on to the facade of the building, his pallid face suddenly turned into a harrowing, grimace of a smile. His teeth were sharp, fanged, with a yellowish hue. His eyes glowed with an intensity that seemed out of place for something that was already out of place. Suddenly, the man brought one of his hands to his still outstretched smile, and with it signaled us to, shh. Frozen in place, we stood there, and watched him resume his climb. As he scaled the building, we noticed just how tall he was. He was immense, taller than most of the people you would encounter on any given day in this city. We also saw that he wore what looked like a three or four piece black suit, and a long coat. Quite distinctly, it was hard to ignore that he looked to be covered in umo, smoke. Despite his warning, we ran and excitedly tried to get our mom to come with us to see the smoke-covered man. She hurried alongside us, opened the window, and looked out and up. If his goal was to climb to the top of the building, who the hell knew what he was even doing there in the first place? He still had several stories to go. Yet, no one was there. She called out to the street and shouted if anyone had seen anything. No, were the answers from below. There is no immediate recall of what occurred following this event only that life felt a bit strange, as if this person was something that we weren't meant to see. It was like being a child and thinking that you would get into trouble if you snuck up on Santa Christmas morning when you should be asleep, except that this had an air of danger that my younger self felt was better left alone. Several years later, we moved to another apartment in the city before eventually making it out to the United States, where a better life awaited us. Sometime around 1997, we were all having dinner at our new house. We were still keeping the dinner hours we were accustomed to in Mexico. So, around 9 p.m. we all gathered at the table. We were having a pretty good time, smiling, and carrying on, when my older brother abruptly stops laughing halfway through a joke. I thought he was choking, so I turned to look at him. He was ghostly pale, his eyes and mouth wide open, 
He lifts his hand and points directly to the living room beyond where the dining area and kitchen are. We all turn, now staring into the dimly light darkness of the living room. I ask him what was wrong. He says, there is a really tall person standing there looking at us. What does he look like? I ask. His voice, quieter than usual, shaking, replied, he is wearing a tall hat, and a really long coat. I remember feeling like time stopped, immediately thinking of the man we had seen several years before, scaling the side of the building we used to live in. It couldn't possibly be the same person. What does his face look like? I ask. I don't know, he said, it's all black, like a shadow. Thank you for reading. Again, please let me know what you all think. It wasn't until I seriously started browsing forums in the late 2000s that I began to realize that these kinds of entities may be more common than I thought. Still, as this series goes on, which you can find on my substack, I'll share what I really think may be going on here. I wanted to share a couple of stories that have been passed down in my family. So first I'll give some background info, these were told to me by my great-grandmother, currently 90, and my grandmother and her sister. These take place many many years back, when my great-grandmother was a teen, and when my grandmother and her sister were very young. These stories take place in rural Mexico, my family lived in a ranch back when there were barely any cities, just a couple of houses. Meaning no electricity, communication, roads, or anything like that. Gnomes, so basically, in the ranch that my family lived in, they lived right next to this river, and other houses next to the ranch also lived near this river since it provided many resources. My grandmother told me that these gnomes came from up the river and closer inland like many other creatures, which was completely uninhabited for hundreds and hundreds of years which is why they believe these creatures were able to live there. These gnomes were about the size of a small child and they were mischievous, but not evil, in fact, it was known around the village that these gnomes loved children and would always play with them. Over the years this became normal and for some reason, people just accepted that they were living and seeing tiny people all of the time, different times I guess. My great-grandmother told me that she played with them when she was a child, and when she grew up and had my grandmother and her sisters, the gnomes were still around. Theses gnomes would enter houses at night to play with children, and one time they entered at night and gave gifts to my grandmother that was in her crib because she was recently born. When my great-grandmother woke up and saw the crib, there were multiple stones from the river surrounding the crib and also some piles of dirt and other things from the river. People from all around the village would have different stories of these gnomes, sometimes they would get up on horses when someone was riding them, and even at night you could hear them in your roof and you could also hear them laughing. I don't remember my grandmother telling me if they had names or anything, they just referred to them as duendes so like gnomes, little people or goblins. When I asked what happened to them and where are they now, they told me that after some years and after the world started the change then they just stopped appearing to them. The Tepas, I will first tell you the story that they told me and then I will describe and talk about this thing. So basically a relative of my grandmother that also lived near the ranch was walking next to the river at dawn because he was going to go fish. As he was walking down the river, 
he sees a woman in the distance on the other side of the river, he described her as a beautiful woman with a perfect body and a white dress and long black hair but he could only see the back of her. As he got closer he thought that it was someone that he knew, so he started shouting to say hello and calling out her name but she was not responding. As he got closer and closer she finally turned around, and when she did, he saw that her face was actually a human skull. This guy screamed and was so scared that he fainted and was later found unconscious, he was taken to a hospital and was treated but for many weeks he had a fever and he was always scared, this thing had broken this man just by looking at him. And as the years passed more and more people had experiences with these women or as my family called them tepas, some other people that lived around the ranch sometimes saw them walking upstream and sometimes in pairs, so the people believed that they also lived more inland like the gnomes. These are some of the stories that I've been told and if I'm being honest I don't know if I believe them or not, I personally never experienced or met any of these creatures but I find it odd that other cultures and people around the world describe these creatures the exact same way even though they did not have ways to communicate what they were seeing all around the world. Also when my great grandmother and grandmother told me these stories, I could tell from their eyes and the way they spoke that they were not lying or at least they fully believe that they had seen them and that these creatures were real. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.